With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Here's Nick Letty on a penalty shot. Against Anders Nilsson, and he scores! Oh, Nick Letty, his second here in the first period as he rings it off the iron and in. Islanders country, hello. This is PTIL, the 7-Up edition. And our first, as part of the Lighthouse Hockey Podcast Network, we're excited to be here. I'm Miles Bloggs, Joe Bono. A reminder, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Please rate and review the show. Follow us on Twitter at LHHpodcast or visit LighthouseHockey.com. Our guest tonight is Islanders beat reporter for Newsday, and now he has expanded duties as the host of the Island Ice Podcast. That's Andrew Gross, and he joins us now. Andrew, how you doing? Joe, it's great to talk to you. I hope you uh, had a pleasant off season and are enjoying the uh, the first month here. I think everyone is because the Islanders win games and then you get to uh, in it for about three, four days and then they win another game and then you get to revel in it again <laughs> and then you get to win another game. So that's the way it's been over the last couple of weeks. Um, how are yeah. you feeling behind the microphone now, um, three or four weeks into your uh, podcast duties, moonlighting now as a uh, broadcaster? Um, I'm enjoying it. It's a, it's a challenge. Uh, you know, Island Dice was something, you know, we started talking about in early August and it was, uh, I mean, as you know, running a blog, uh, running a podcast, there just, there's kind of a million different things that maybe you didn't think about before, you know, trying to take on the endeavor. So, you know, from everything from making sure the logo was correct to, uh, getting the right microphone to, you know, clearing stuff with the Islanders to make sure, you know, I, I would have the access that I wanted. There was a lot of organization. And then, 
it was funny, as you know, talking for a long time is not the easiest thing in the world. So the, the first episode I did, about 10 minutes in, I didn't have a water bottle next to me. And I thought my throat was <laughs> just absolute. It was so dry. You know, I mean, I, I, I was nervous to begin with, and, and maybe that played into it, but you need a water bottle next to you. I mean, I think I joked about understanding why Mike Francesa guzzles Diet Cokes because, like, <laughs> I, could not, I, I could not drink enough <laughs> in that first well, episode. Well, you're very fortunate because you have, you, have you have the natural baritone, you know, decibels to your voice already. So, um, you know, that's well, <laughs> an advantage. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And um, yeah. obviously, I think you know, something that uh, people have not listened already to Island Ice is that the benefit, of course, is that you have access to the team. So there's the opportunities to uh, grab these guys in the dressing room and get some, you know, one-on-one interviews that, uh, you know, maybe they're not seeing on pre and post game on MSG or part of, uh, you know, the Islanders uh, webpage. It's it's really, you know, new type of content. You and Anders Lee, for example, uh, speaking one-on-one on all things Islanders and, and Notre Dame football. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's and, – and, and I, I really have to thank the players because, you know, they, they are sitting down. Typically, you know, their interviews, if they do a media scrum, they can be in and out in like three, four minutes. And, and, and they've been really good about not getting antsy, you know, when the interview goes a little bit long. And so, so that's fun. And, and also, you know, uh, just being around the crew, I, I had a lot of fun sitting down with Shannon Hogan. I think we chatted for about 30 minutes uh, in the stands in Columbus, just going over a wide range of topics. But, uh, yeah, no, it, it, it's, it's certainly been fun. I, I try and keep it light. And, uh, you know, while, while still trying to, you know, Islander fans are listening, just as they listen to, to your podcast, to, to get as much information as possible about the team they're, they're rooting for and they're, and they're rapidly, you know, enamored with. So I try and get the information out there. I, I try and keep it light. I, I certainly don't take myself all too seriously. Um, so I try and have some fun, even at my own expense. But, you know, sort of <laughs> each episode, I just kind of feel like I'm making it up on the fly, and I, I just hope it works at the end. And, and I, <laughs> I should note that uh, uh, our editor at Newsday, who's helped me with this project, Mark LaMonica, has just been so supportive and, and fantastic. He does, he does all the, the dirty work and the organizing and the editing and you know, when I run myself aground, he, he can stop and edit and punch me back in. So I, I'm really blessed to be able to work with a talented guy like Mark as well. Well, well, lucky enough, you know, you're not one to mispronounce a name, you know, so I mean, he doesn't have to. <laughs> I, I, I think at this point I, I can't I, – I'm not pronouncing anything correctly, you know. Like uh, uh, I was corrected today, uh, Chris King said, hey, you know, it's Otto Koivula not Koivula. And I'm like, okay. And he goes, also, uh, it's Anders Lee. Anders is a Swedish name. He's from Minnesota. <laughs> you know, I mean, Chris, I mean, Chris is kidding around with me, but yeah, it is, it has become the joke that I just can't pronounce anything correctly. And I will just go back to the idea that this is why I became a writer. 
You know, when I got out of Syracuse, never in my wildest imagination would I would I have ever thought I would be doing, you know, broadcast stuff. It just wasn't something I studied. And, you know, I didn't have the far ahead vision uh, back when I started to, to realize how multimedia every sports writer has to be. So now I've been in front of cameras. I've been behind microphones. You know, you do the blog. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, Twitter. It's just it's not just filing a game story anymore. And, and it's sort of been fun to uh, evolve with the business as well. Sure. Yeah. You gotta be, uh, gotta be versatile. Uh, certainly. Yeah. Um, let's, um, let's get to the team now. Islanders seven wins in a row, hottest team in the NHL. And it seems like they're starting to get the attention of the national NHL writers. I mean, they're in the top five power rankings of NBC sports and, um, Elliot Friedman on his um, 31 Thoughts today uh, quoted a scout saying, you know, quote, they are exactly what you would expect of a team coached by Barry Trotz. They have great structure. Everyone understands their role. And then a really great line here, bricklayers don't paint the ceilings. The players understand this. Um, so so what, what's your feeling now about this team off to that, you know, maybe one in three star people scratching their heads saying, hey, was it smart to bring the entire team back? And now – Riding a seven-game winning streak and looking impressive the last three or four games. Yeah, I mean, a, a, a few thoughts on that. One, I mean, a, a, as you know, and anyone who has watched their games, I mean, as Barry says, you know, none of these can really be called Picassos. There have been a couple, you know, really good complete game efforts, but for the most part, they scratch and claw and they grind. And at the end of the day, for the most part, they're coming out with two points. But, I mean, you know, you, you, you just look at it, you know, with your eyes. And, you, and you know, sometimes it doesn't seem like they're going to get to that finish line. But this is what they did all last season. And, you know, the recognition now that, hey, you know, they've gotten off to this 8-3-0 and and start. And they're going to be one of the really good teams in the league. Well, were, were you not paying attention last season? And it, it really surprised me because, and, and, you know, not to be an apologist for the players, and they, and they do the us against the world thing. It's just the most common motivational tactic in the world by, by coaching staffs. But it surprised me, and I'm certainly not taking a victory lap here because we're only 11 games into the season. And really, I mean, you saw with the Blues last season that, you know, anything can happen even January on. And you're seeing it with the Washington Nationals now, too. They got off to a – they lost 19 of their first 31, I think, um, and they're a game away from uh, the World Series. But um, digressing there, the, the point is the, Nash, uh, the, the expectations going into this season, if you looked at all the preseason predictions, it was – it was running probably what 30 to 40% maybe that the Islanders would return to the playoffs. So a lot of, there were a lot of predictions that they would backslide this season. You know, Robin Leonard goes to Chicago. They don't bring in, you know, Lou Lamarillo made a point at breakup day. And I think Barry did too, saying it was obvious they needed a little more pop uh, amongst their top six. Well, you know, they strike out on Panarin. And like you said, they, they bring back their own guys, except for Simeon Barlamov and uh, Derek Broussard. Um, <laughs> so, so now the predictions for this season are, you know, fringe playoff team. Most people probably thinking they're out of the playoffs. 
I mean, again, I'm not taking a victory lap 11 games into the season, but when Newsday asked me to make my prediction, you know, I looked at last season and I looked at this roster and I penciled them in the exact same spot. I, I had second place in the Metropolitan Division uh, with, with 102 points. Um, last, last season they were second with 103. And I just, you know, so the fact that they're banking points consistently here is not totally surprising to me. This is kind of how I expected them to play and, and kind of how I expected them uh, to perform in, in the standings. And, and again, it's just 11 games in. Uh, we were discussing the other day, there's a, was it a playoff predictor? I forget which site does it. And even with, what was it, uh, 16 out of uh, 22 points right now, the Islanders were still pegged at, at only having about 87, 88 points at the end of the season. And, and, and that kind of stuff just shocks me because I think, you know, even with the injuries, uh, and like you say, with Barry Trotz here, they're going to be a consistent performer um, unless they suffer some real devastating injuries uh, or further injuries, uh, but particularly to the, their defense core or to either one of these goalies. Yeah, this team is not a fan, certainly, of the uh, charts and graphs, advanced hockey uh, statistics. I know a lot of people put a lot of a lot of credibility in that, and I'm certainly learning more and more about it. But you just this team is never going to be one that shows up really well in that. And if these models and predictors are somewhat based on on those type of advanced stats, I think you're going to see a lot more of the Islanders, you know, on the outside looking into the playoffs. Now, Andrew, we got a number of voicemail questions for you here uh, this evening, and uh, we're going to kick off the first one with the news of the day about the Islanders' call-up. Hey, guys. It's Buddy out in Colorado. First time, long time. Just wanted to ask you guys about where Otto Koivula fits in with the team specifically, uh, what position, because he was drafted as a winger uh, but has been playing center uh, for the Sound Tigers. Love the show. Keep it up. Can't wait to hear from you. Now, Andrew, before you answer, a buddy who I've done this show with Pat in the past before he just got a job out in Colorado, in the offseason, he is now the official leader of the OKFC, which is the Otto Koivula fan club. So he's been <laughs> – this is happening a little bit earlier than he expected it to. Uh, but what's your thoughts on where he fits in, given, given where he's played uh, previously and in, and in Bridgeport? Yeah, and, and to be fair, it, it's happening before I thought because we uh, posted my podcast, Island Ice, today, and you'll hear in there that I, I didn't think Otto would be up before Thanksgiving. And, of course, the day I posted, yeah, Otto's coming up. I was like, beautiful. Make me look like a real, you know, steer here. But uh, but as as to his position, what I can tell you is today at practice, uh, his first practice with the team, it was uh, four people rotating on a line. It was uh, Ross Johnson, Cole Bardreau, Oliver Wallstrom, and Otto. Um, and Otto rotated into the middle for Cole. Um, and so, we, you know, me and Otto were talking after practice, and I, I asked him that question because he has played both. But this season he's played center in Bridgeport. And he said his understanding was that he thinks the Islanders brought him up to play center in the NHL as well. And he said, I can certainly play either wing or center, but his, his strong preference is to be kept in the middle. So 
Right now, uh, you know, I, I, I think just based on what Otto is thinking, it, it looks like the Islanders who have had some center depth problems, um, you know, with uh, <laughs> uh, certainly with, with, with this illness that's kept Leo Komarov, who's a, a converted wing anyway. Um, you know, they moved Derek Broussard to right wing, and they're just, you know, thin down the middle. So I, I think the idea is to get Otto in as a center. And you mentioned Derek Broussard playing a lot of wing. Uh, he was slotted in to be the third-line center, struggled to start the season, and he's now doing you know quite well on that wing. It's going to be interesting to see if they keep him there you know, even longer term. Um, now let's talk briefly about the other younger players here that are, that are early on the roster. Uh, Wallstrom, a lot of excitement around him. We saw a little snippets in some of these games about why the Islanders may be so excited about him because he seems to do things that other players on the roster currently don't do, specifically about his shot and some of the physicality for a 19-year-old as well. And then Noah Dobson. I know they're both in different situations, especially with the rules, and, and Dobson's not eligible to go to Bridgeport. But, you know, right now, what do you look at the outlook for both of them, you know, on this roster? And at the end of the season, you know, how many, you know, how many games are these guys playing in terms of, uh, you know, year one in the NHL? Right. I mean, uh, I'll take Noah Dobson first because I think this is an easier answer. Um, and, and that is, he's not AHL eligible, as you mentioned. So it's either here or junior hockey. And the Islanders are, are just loath to consider sending him back down to, to juniors. They don't think he can, his development can be served in any way going back to junior hockey. So even if he's not in the lineup and, and he's not going to be in the lineup on a consistent basis here, um, barring injuries, uh, they, they just, the six veteran defensemen they have right now, they really, really like, and, you know, there, there's an argument that, you know, this, this, these six, the top six they have right now, you know, is as close to as good as any six in terms of balance and one through six depth as any team has in the league. Um, Johnny Boychuk, who, you know, was just uh, super excited. I mean, Johnny Boychuk, like, wakes up super excited. I mean, he's just the Energizer bunny. <laughs> he's always happy, right? But we, we chatted um, during training camp, and he was just – he couldn't wait to get going because he said this was the, the first off season where he had a normal off season of training because he wasn't hurt in about two, three years. Um, so he couldn't wait for the season. And I think, you know, Johnny is what Johnny is, and he's, you know, he's doing Johnny Boychuk stuff. It, you know, you talk about – you know, he's like a microcosm of the team. It, it doesn't look pretty, and maybe the analytics – you know, you look at the analytics page and Johnny Boychuk didn't have a good game, but you watch the game and you know Johnny Boychuk was a key contributor and, you know, one of the reasons the Islanders won. So, you know, and Barry prefers these lefty-righty combinations, as I think most coaches, that's, that's the model most coaches would like. So, you know, Dobson is a right-hander. He can play both sides, but you you tell me who who's coming out. I mean, you know, Scotty Mayfield, no. Um, you know, Ryan Pulak, no. And at this point, Johnny Boychuk, probably not often. I mean, Johnny will probably be spotted here and there to get a little bit of rest. Um, but you know, I, I unless one of those six gets injured, I, I don't think Noah is at this 
stage of his development going to be used as a regular part of his of the rotation, but still the Islanders feel his development will be much better served uh, with being with the team than going back to juniors. Now, Lou Lamarillo said again this week, if he could send Noah Dobson to the AHL, he would have done it two minutes ago. You know, I mean, that's where they really want Noah Dobson to be. And it wouldn't be shocking if that's where he starts next season. But, but for now, he's going to be with the Islanders and probably, uh, you know, be a healthy scratch more often than not. Um, as far as all so of the Andrew, Wallstrom. Before we yeah. get to Wallstrom, just one quick question on the defense, because, you know, the conventional wisdom, the pundits and the not-so-pundits, Isles Twitter, whomever, um, when we looked yeah. at, you know, <laughs> trades that the Islanders could make, you know, the name that always came up that looked like, okay, this would be a valuable player that can bring back a top six forward was Nick Letty. But then Barry mm-hmm. Trotz, who apparently follows all of us on Twitter, you know, silently has a burner account somewhere. He said, hey, all these rumors about Nick Letty being traded in the postgame show, he said, no chance. You know, I, yeah, I did no. not ever heard him. And there, I, didn't, he, I didn't previously heard him kind of talk in that kind of affinity for Letty before. So it sounds like he, he's, a, he's someone that they really value, and he's not someone that they're looking to move under any circumstances based on that comment. Well, uh, yes, and I agree. Uh, you know, they they did. I, I think Nick, the the you know Nick saw some of the speculation too, and I don't think he was thrilled with it. And I'm sure the team reassured him that it was rumors and nothing else. Um, and that's why Barry went public as well um, with that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, particularly the way Nick Letty's playing. If if you're looking to get, you know a point producer in the top six, other teams are going to ask for a Nick Letty type, you know, or, you know, a Ryan Pulak type or, you know, you know, I'm sure they'll ask for a Devontae's or Noah Dobson. That's the kind of talent they're looking for. But uh, right now I I don't see Lou dealing any one of those guys. Mm -hmm. So is Nick Letty certainly handling it better than uh, Jamal Adams? We'll, uh, we'll say that in terms of (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> uh, and Wallstrom, I guess, you know, we look at the numbers crunch and, you know, ultimately Everly's going to get get healthier. Leo Komarov is going to get over his illness. He seems like an obvious person that's going to end up back in Bridgeport. And I'm sure the Islanders as an organization are fine with that, although, you know, I'm sure Islander fans wish they would have seen him on a power play more often, but they just didn't have the opportunities in the, in the, in the few games he played. And, and now he's playing seven, eight minutes when he is in the lineup. Yeah, no, I, I think, you know, and and my view changed on this radically, you know, within a week. And it, it was based on Oliver's diminishing ice time. And, you know, Barry always says players set their own ice time. So if you see Oliver's playing time diminishing like this, it's because they're not, you know, 100% thrilled with what they're seeing out there. And, you know, I, I, I think we all agree that if Oliver, if, if one of Wally's, you know, the, the shot off the you know, the crossbar, or, you know, the near miss in game one. If any one of those had gone in, uh, you just got the feeling that he would start scoring in bunches. But, um, you know, Barry also made a point of saying he was asked about Cole Bardreau coming up. Now, Cole, uh, you know, at 26 is still a rookie, but Barry was making the comparison that at 26, you just understand how to be a pro a lot better than you do at 19. You understand how to practice better. You understand how to take care of yourself, that, that kind of stuff. So, you know, I, I, I think they, 
I think they think that Oliver's development can be uh, better served perhaps at, at the AHL level, at least temporarily um, until the next time he's needed up here. And, you know, but for now he still is needed up here since, you know, Leo, you know, Barry said that he doesn't see Leo coming back to this upcoming back to back, you know, against the lightning Friday or Buffalo Saturday. Um, and Jordan Everly hasn't started skating with the team yet either. So there's, there's no kind of timetable on when he might be able to come back. So for now, I, I think Oliver stays, but as soon as one of the veterans comes back, I, I think he's the obvious move to be sent back down to Bridgeport. We'll have more of our interview with Newsday's Andrew Gross in a moment. You're listening to Pete Seals, part of the SB Nation Lighthouse Hockey Podcast. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. PTL's podcast, Andrew Gross of Newsday is our guest. Follow him on Twitter at Newsday and subscribe to his podcast, Island Ice. Here's our next question coming from Rob. Hey guys, Rob from Brooklyn calling. Big fan of the show. Love what you guys do. Question for Andrew regarding the team is more along the lines of what he's seen this year and compared to last year. Same lineup with the exception of a few youngsters now being added to the team and of course Valamov and Net. What is he seeing or what is going on with the team that makes them different this year compared to last year that's adding to the success of the team? Because obviously the team is doing well so far and last year we know what they did. Is he noticing anything differently? Is he seeing what the players are doing differently in regards to the day-to-day that's making them better? Big fan of the show. Love what you guys do. Thank you for everything. Keep it coming. Let's go, Lyles. All right, Rob, appreciate the call. So, Andrew, anything different than you're seeing, obviously, a new power play coach, or is it just the same players executing a system that they now know a little bit better? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll bring up three things, and one is kind of a two-way comfort. Um, this is Barry Trotz's second season, uh, the coaching staff's second season. There is a comfort level that the players now have with the system that Barry and his staff implemented last season. So there's just a maturity. They, it's, you know, it built through last season and now they're building upon last season. You know, they started at a different level this season because they were so familiar with the system and the expectations. It's, they're, they're not thinking about the game anymore. It's very instinctive as to how they play the system. And, and, you know, the flip side is that Barry Trotz knows his players a lot better after one season through, you know, he came in, Uh, you know, he was kind of scrambling to get the background on all these guys. He was learning literally on the fly as last season progressed, what he could ask from each player, how much he could ask and when he could ask it. And uh, I think he has those answers this season. So that that's one thing Uh, you bring up the power play. Yeah. Jim Hiller is in coaching the power play instead of Scott Gomez. And what I see is two things. Uh, There's better puck movement. And there's also a more of a, you know, a get the puck on net mentality, which, you know, was lacking at times last year, whether it was confidence or what, but they, they liked passing the puck around the perimeter. They didn't like shooting it on net. And, and this year they're, they're much more 
prone to getting the puck on net and, and trying to get some rebound opportunities. So, yeah, I think the power play is much better. And then, let's see, the third thing was uh, just, oh, well, yeah. The third thing is Matthew Barzell, who at 22 is now in his third NHL season, and he just continues to blossom. And I just think the way Matthew Barzell is playing is just, pulling the rest of the team along with him. And, you know, he, he sort of, you could see the growth last season um, as he kind of got, as I mentioned, getting comfortable in Barry's system. But this year, you know, it, it, it all seems to be coming together. He's playing strong defense. He's building offense off the defense and he's shooting more. Um, you know, I talked to him today and he said, it's really weird for him to look at the stat sheet and see that he has more goals than assists. And it's because he's more willing to take the shot. He still thinks of himself as a pass-first player, and he still wants to have more assists than goals. But you know, if the shot's there, he's going to take it this season. And that was a little that that that's a big difference as well. Andrew, our next question. I think I'm going to be pretty fascinated in how you answer it. Um, and despite how uh, Varlamov is playing, uh, this is going to continue to be a theme. I think at least for a little bit longer. Um, based on what happened in the off season, so here's our here's our fan voicemail. Hello, this is Kevin from Dayton. My question is: Do you feel the reason Lou signed Vlarmnov over Leonard had more to do with frustration with Leonard's agent? Because it seems there's not a GM or hockey analyst in the world that actually agrees with Lou's decision, much less with the contract Vlarmnov got. Are you as mystified as the rest of the hockey world with Lou's decision? Thanks, Andrew. So, you know, look, uh, I think it was very perplexing for fans on exactly how this went down. You and I saw each other at the Belmont Stakes. Uh, I guess that was early June. And you said, yeah. I don't know if Leonard's going to be back. And I was taken back by that. And uh, I think you were thinking there might be more stopgap uh, answers for them at that time, one or two year contracts, uh, not ultimately what happened. So, Listen, I know some Islander fans are like, move on, and others are, they had a connection, an emotional connection to this player, and, um, you know, now he's in Chicago still rooting for the Islanders, um, as he does uh, occasionally on his social media. So, you know, now, seeing how that all played out, what were the, the main factors as to why things did not work out between Robin Leonard and the Islanders? Yeah, I, 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 it's not the agent. Um, what, what it came down to, and Robin spoke about this at the LA, uh, the Las Vegas Awards show, you know, that no matter how long he stays clean and sober, you know, there's always his history, and he knows his history is always going to be in the back of minds of people who are negotiating contracts with him. And I certainly think it was in the back of the minds of the Islanders, uh, you know, right or wrong. And, you know, I've said this many times, I can't root for Robin Leonard enough to, you know, continue to improve upon his life, you know, for him and his family, you know, wish nothing but the best for him. But he's, you know, it was very clear that, you know, what he acknowledged certainly, you know, plays a role in contract negotiations. You see, he only got a one-year deal out of the Blackhawks. He was only going to get a two-year deal out of the Islanders. Now, with with Varlamov, there are a couple of different factors. The Islanders have been on Varlamov, you know, probably longer than they would they would admit. I mean, Lou said they they considered or they they had done their due diligence on Varlamov, you know, 
before he became a free agent and before they signed Robin Leonard. Uh, Mitch Korn really likes Simeon Varlamov. Um, so there, there's that. The Islanders have, have long had interest in Varlamov, and I think the four-year deal here, what you're looking at uh, is Varlamov, I believe, shares an agent with Ilya Sorokin, um, the Russian kid in the KHL who the Islanders are hoping to get over next season. So I, I, I believe the Islanders' best-case scenario is you know, next season their goalie tandem can be Varlamov and Sorokin, and Varlamov really serves as a, uh, you know, I don't know if father figure is the right word, but certainly a mentor to to Sorokin as he gets used to playing in North America. You know, he can lean on his fellow countrymen to uh, kind of guide him through that. So I, I, I really think those were the factors that went into that decision. Yeah, I think, you know, for me the sticking point is kind of what was the Islanders' preference going into the offseason, right? Would it have been to sign Robin Leonard to a two-year deal or, you know, they were going to wait for the talking period to where they can see where Varlamov was and and if they were going to be able to ink him long-term, was that going to be their preference with all those other factors that you just mentioned? So I think that's the thing for the Islanders is, you know, did Robin and his agent get an offer and if they would have said yes, he would have been the goalie or did or, or was kind of Lou always kind of you know angling for Varlamov the whole time? I don't know if we'll ever. <laughs> I mean, we're not going to get the answer. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the Islanders did offer Leonard a contract. They offered him, what, two-year, $10 million, I believe. And, and Robin, you know, in, in the way he described it, not that he hesitated, but he wanted to think about it. So he got the offer from the Islanders. You know, he, you know basically he said, I'll call you back. Let me, you know, I just need a minute or what, however long he took to think about it. And by the time he called back, the Islanders told him the offer was no longer there. So, yeah. you know, if if Leonard says, you know, as soon as Lou says we're giving you two years, ten million, if Leonard said I'll sign it, Leonard, I think would have been back. <laughs> yeah, and, and and then he ultimately ends up going one year to five, one year five million for Chicago. Just, just, just yeah. very strange. Listen, I know Lou is the way he is. It's his rules. He negotiates on his terms. But, you know, if this was, you know, far and away your number one choice, that seems strange to me. You know, but we'll, we'll, you know, we'll leave it. We'll leave it at there. I think all Islander fans wishing him the best in Chicago and wherever else he ends up. Um, and it's not just Islander fans. I'm sure it's all hockey fans at, at this point. Um, yeah, Rob, Rob, Robin has okay. Robin has a lot of friends throughout the league, and uh, a lot of people, you know, who want to support him. You know, as he as he builds his life back up. And, and something tells me that the um, return of him <laughs> to to the uh, to to Long Island might be a little bit different than what we um, experienced uh, last year. Um, you know, I know. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I mean, you know, it's it's crazy. He really. Robin really only played here one season, but he resonated with this team. Well, you know, there have not been a lot of players who have resonated, certainly not recently, you know, the way I, I, Robin did. I remember doing a story, um, just uh, it must have been in March or, or something, um, and just talking to – you know, I, I just went around the concourse at the Coliseum looking for Robin Leonard fans to talk to. And I remember, you know, there was, a, I, I believe, a husband and wife both wearing Leonard jerseys. 
So I, I stopped them and, and the guy almost, you know, sort of broke down in tears saying that, you know, he's been 10 years sober and, you wow. know, seeing, you know, and seeing what Leonard is doing, you know, is, was a daily inspiration for him. And I'm certainly sure that, you know, and also, you know, people, you know, probably, not probably, a lot more people struggle with mental health issues than anyone will admit. And I'm sure certain people won't even admit to themselves that they're dealing with mental health issues. And just the way Robin has kind of you know, been a, you know, he's, he stood up and he said, yes, I have, you know, I, I, I have problems, but I'm working through them. And it, it, it really is inspirational. So no matter where he goes, it, you know, and it was sort of like when I covered the devils and Brian Boyle was there and, you know, the first day of training camp, his first day, you know, with the team, he has to announce that he has, you know, he's, he's fighting a, a form of leukemia. And he became an inspiration for a lot of people. So, you know, and, and, and it's not just getting sick that makes you an inspiration. It's the way you react. And, and both Boiler and, and Robin reacted and, and took on that burden of not just helping themselves, but wanting to help other people. Yeah, without question. And uh, certainly his speech at the award ceremony, um, you know, illustrated that, you know, even, even more so. Um, one more question from me, and then we have one more, vo- two more voicemails, but they're on the same subject, so I'll, I'll bring them in together. The one question from me is, for this team to take the next step, or at least get back to the level that they were last year, 102, 103 points, like you said, your prediction, second place in the Metro, they're going to need players to step up from where they were last year. Um, last year, they got 20 goals from Casey Zizekas, for example. Uh, they had, you know, Devon Tays come in and really kind of solidify the blue line. Based on who's there right now, who's the player or players that you go, their game is stepping up, and that's why the Islanders are going to be a better team, despite the fact that they didn't, you know, go out there and make any kind of uh, big free agent splash. And, you know, of course, we'll see what they do come trade deadline time. Who, is, there, is there one or two guys that are already catching your eye? Yeah, the, the, the two guys, I mean, I've already talked about Matthew Barzell, and I think he's a huge reason here. And, uh, you know what? Uh, Anthony Beauvillier is the other guy who comes to mind because he's just, it's like he went from a boy to a man, you know, from one season to the next. He's just playing a complete 200 foot game. He's, he's turned himself into a, a really reliable penalty killer. Um, I, I just feel like his game has really gone to another level. Um, and, and I think that's really helping the team. And, and certainly, you know, that, that second line has been, you know, Beauvillier, Brock Nelson, and now Derek Broussard, that, that line has become a legitimate second scoring line uh, for the Islanders. So, uh, you know, two guys, I, I, I would say, are Barzell and, and Beauvillier for sure. No, I was thinking those two. The only, guy, the only guy I was thinking about was, was Adam Pellich, just because it, it seems yeah, like he's the yeah. type of player where they don't, you know, he does, they don't. His name isn't mentioned much during the broadcast. That's because no, he's like and, an offensive and, line in the NFL. That's because he's not making mistakes. You know what's funny is, uh, and you're 100 percent correct. And I, I should have, you know, I, I talked about the, the the Islanders' top six being amongst, you know, the best in the league, and certainly Pelly is is a big part of that. But Barry Trotz made it a point a couple of games ago in in his post game presser to 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 specifically praise Adam Pellick for the, for the way he plays. And, 
Barry admitted that, you know, at this point he almost takes Adam Poet for, 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 for granted. And, you know, and, and when he has a great game, as, as he has a lot this season, Barry, you know, almost doesn't realize it because that's just what he expects from Adam these days. And I, I think that says a lot. He's come, you know, last season he struggled right through January. And then in January mm-hmm. he picked his game up. I, I even remember him being a healthy scratch here and there. Um, but from January right through the end of the playoffs, it, you, you got a lot of great games. And he's really, you know, just continued at that level. Uh, and, and even turned it up a notch here to start this season. All right, so I got two voicemails back-to-back, same overall subject, and it's one that uh, you recently highlighted a lot on your on your podcast, so you're, I, I think you're a wealth of knowledge on this one uh, at the moment. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Jason from Baldwin. My question is, with 29 games at the Coliseum this year and a shovel that's already in the ground at Belmont, do you guys think it has any impact on the number of games that will be played at the Coliseum next year? Uh, potentially maybe moving all games to the Coliseum for the 2021 season. Do you think that's a possibility? Thanks, guys. Love listening to the podcast. Keep it up. Hello, this is Tom from Long Island City. Question for Andrew and you guys. Why is the attendance in Nassau so bad? Guys, when team wins seven in a row and nobody shows up, I don't get it. I don't get it. Um, so uh, you had Jim Baumbach uh, in studio um, on a recent uh, podcast talking about all different types of arena issues, and I think both of these subjects came up. So, uh, number one, do you think all games end up at the Coliseum for the final year at the Coliseum Part Two, and then attendance? You know, they're going to be moving into a seventeen thousand uh, seat arena, and um, you know, for a variety of factors, maybe they're they're having trouble selling out thirteen thousand right now. Yeah, no, and uh, you know they're both very valid points, and uh, you know, good questions. And I'll try and summarize what, what you know. And I, I don't want to say what me and Jim talked about because Jim is really the expert on this. Um, I was just kind of guiding the conversation, but you know, the view is, uh, you know, Jim was saying that it it seems to be common sense that now they have shovels in the ground. They have a, you know, a real target date for the Belmont arena that the thought always was when shovels went in the ground um, that, you know, eventually all games would be back at Nassau Coliseum and they would stop doing the split. Um, you know, if, if Belmont is on target, the only season they could do that would be next season, you know, because that's, you know, they're, they're, they're due to be in Belmont the season after that. Um, so yeah, I mean, Jim is of the belief and he, he made it clear. He has not heard this from anyone that next season, there would be a very good chance. All games are at Nassau Coliseum, particularly now since the ownership, uh, all, you know, the arenas have changed and Barclays and Nassau Coliseum are, are no longer tied together. And the owners of Barclays center really have no ties to the Islanders and really, have shown no public inclination to continue that relationship. So it would seem to be, you know, and again, pure speculation, but logical speculation next season, you know, all games would be at Nassau Coliseum. Um, as to why attendance, and, and before I, I, I brought up to Jim, I was like, well, 
you know, but what about the NHL? What's the NHL going to say? Because they can certainly make a lot more money in the playoffs in Brooklyn than they can in Nassau. And I think that's the wild card here. Um, because if the NHL is going to insist on playing playoff games in Brooklyn, you can't not have any regular season games there. Um, that, that would also seem logical. But, you know, maybe for one season, the NHL, just uh, because it's an untenable situation, just going back and forth between arenas, it, 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 it really is, you know, all credit to the Islanders for actually succeeding last year. Um, going back and forth because I think it's harder than people realize. And I think you saw it in the second round of the playoffs when they went back to Brooklyn after not playing there for, you know, month, month and a half, and they lost both games there. Um, as far as attendance at the Coliseum, I, I, I think it is troubling. They've only had one sellout and that was the season opener. Now there are a couple of factors that go into this, um, you know, originally it was supposed to be a split of 21 at the Coliseum 20 in Barclays. And they didn't announce, you know, the, the other eight games, I think it was right. Yeah. Seven games, whatever it is. It's now 28 and 13, the split uh, in favor of the Coliseum, but they announced, you know, that those moves to Nassau Coliseum very, very late. Um, And I think that's really affected their individual ticket sales. Um, so I, I think that's a, a large part of what's going on in terms of the, uh, the the lower attendance. And as Jim pointed out, you know, the Islanders were never known for having great attendance figures at Nassau Coliseum. And, you know, sort of last season, the uh, the draw was, hey, they're back here. But, but now that's, you know, I think the people who, you know, wanted to go to the Coliseum for nostalgic reasons have gone already. Um, you know, so you would hope that a winning team attracts an audience. And I think as the season gets deeper and the Islanders continue to win, the crowds will grow, or at least that would be my hope. I know that's the team's hope, but right now I I just think the way individual ticket sales and also some of the season ticket plans where they're trying to push Brooklyn games on, uh, uh, through packages, I, I think that negatively impacted the way ticket sales went. Uh, going up to this point. Yeah, I mean, the Islanders have done a uh, bad team and really bad arena, a uh, good team and bad arena. You know, uh, in a couple <laughs> of years, they'll maybe have the opportunity to have, you know, a really good team and, you know, one of, if not the best arena in the NHL. And whether or not that, yeah. you know, drives up uh, season ticket holders and attendance and, and everything, um, it's going to be fascinating to see because, you know, in my lifetime, you know, I've never I've never seen them sell out consistently on any kind of regular basis, maybe outside of, you know, the second half of the 2014-2015 season when everyone really did think they were leaving Long Island forever. Right. Um, so, yeah. um, uh, we, we shall see. Uh, last question for me um, before I let you go, and thank you so much for your time. When someone like Cole Bordreau comes into a dressing room with his backstory, is that like the the writer's, you know, dream you know, to, to kind of, you know, kind of well, sit down and kind of salvate over, over like, okay, I have my human interest uh, story right now. Yeah, I mean, especially since Cole is such an easygoing guy to talk to, so friendly. It, you know, he's the kind of guy you root for. So, yeah, he's he's been a favorite of the writers since he walked into the room, you know. 
Uh, he's got the first locker out at the East Meadow practice facility. He's sitting in that first locker right by the door, so it's just easy to get sucked into a conversation with him. Um, you, you're really happy for him. I mean, the, the backstory being, you know, five seasons in the Flyers organization without being able to be called up. And many times he was on the cusp of being called up, but there were injuries. And then, you know, going back further as a sophomore at Cornell, breaks two vertebrae in his neck in a game at RPI, finishes that game, doesn't realize the severity. No one realizes the severity of the injury. And then two days later when he was still, you know, he telling the trainers he had a stiff neck, they send him in for x-rays and he was in the hospital before he could, you know, turn his head around. And the doctors were telling him he was facing potential paralysis. Um, but he comes back from that as well. So, yeah, this has been an emotional journey for Cole. And, you know, I, I think, yeah, it's, it's a fun story to write. Um, and, and he's also a fun guy to uh, hang around and talk to. Andrew Gross, Newsday beat reporter for the Islanders and the host of the Island Ice podcast. Thank you very much for your time. We will listen, read, and, and, and maybe see you on TV at some point uh, this year as well. Uh, we very much thank you for your time, and uh, I'm sure we'll do this again this season. Thank you. Oh, Joe, my pleasure. You do a great job with everything you do with the team, so it's my pleasure to uh, chat with you, and uh, I'll see you soon. 